We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius, and let's freaking go. Lakers win six out of seven, get a, a road win without LeBron, 138 to 122. Uh, Lakers pulled ahead toward the end of the first quarter and had a double-digit lead early in the second. The Jazz fought back, and it was 70 to 69. I was cursing at my TV, watching Torian Prince play the four to close the second quarter. Lakers started out a little bit slow to start the third, but Rui uh, went on a, sc- a scoring binge both in the first half and then to start that first quarter. Ends up with a career-high 36. Debo has a career-high 17 assists. The Lakers in the back half of the second quarter go on a huge run powered by Anthony Davis in the third quarter. It's capped off by Austin, who was great in that stretch, with a little steal and and one to close out the quarter. Just a, a real lightning run to end the third quarter, put the Lakers up by double digits, and Lakers wouldn't relinquish the lead the, the rest of the way. DNR little uh, Lakers novella, man, there's been so many plot twists, and we're watching this team as we get to the All-Star break really start to click, particularly on offense. And so haven't gotten your thoughts on Dinwiddie yet since uh, he's played a couple of games now. We've talked a lot this year about Rui's place in the lineup, but I feel like we've talked very little about Rui's actual game and how he's impacting. So love to get into him as well, D. But uh, lots of excitement, man, uh, with with the offense. I We got to wait like eight or nine days now to see these guys play again. But just uh, I'm so stoked to see where we're at. That was an important win. The Lakers needed to carry that momentum into the all-star break, I felt. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to be a serious basketball team, you win those two games, irrespective of what the circumstances were. And I know that they were tired yesterday. I know they got in late. You were talking to Mike. You guys talked about how late they got into Utah. And luckily, Utah, where they stay, is not as far from the airport the way that it is in Denver, but that's not a comfortable trip when you play a 7.30 start game the night before and then have all your post-game responsibilities and then have to fly. And so LeBron didn't play, and we'll get into that a little bit more later too. I'd love to sort of talk about the shape of the team without LeBron a little bit. But when Mike and I talked last week about 
the last four games going into to the All-Star break, I was super hopeful that they would go 4-0. They battled Denver hard, but Denver did what Denver does against the Lakers, and they came up big. But 3-1, six of their last seven, three in a row. And Pete, last 15 games, Lakers offense is fifth in the NBA. Um, over that stretch, they're shooting well over 40% on threes. It's... The shot quality that they're generating, their comfort level within the offense, the types of reads that they're now making on cuts and the little actions that they're operating within plays and the sense of certainty around what the next pass is and I'm making the next pass regardless. Um, We talked about their low turnovers, but recently you've also seen an uptick on certain possessions of like, oh, that's a bit of a risky pass, but they're taking more risks with their Mm -hmm. passes because they sort of understand where the reads are and are sort of seeing where the little crevices and cracks are for for an opening. Austin had a little bit of a misread on a Rui dive and Rui was like looking like, oh damn, like was that to me? And Austin's like it was, and it was a little bit off target, but Austin read it. And he saw Rui with just a sliver of space, the number of back cuts that LeBron has got or the number of like little dump off passes that AD has thrown on like quick LeBron dives or Rui dives like in semi transition. All of those are a product of spacing and understanding what their running lanes are and all of these things just sort of coming together. And it's just beautiful to see. I thought they showed plenty of that within. Utah. And I also thought that with that comfort level comes a rhythm. And it's one of the things that I've been wanting to talk to you about. We saw so much during that stretch of time where the Lakers were really struggling and teams just seemed to be, you know, lighting the net on fire from three against them. And of late, Pete, it's been the Lakers who have been like, oh, they're shooting. 50% from three for a half or 45% from three for a game and on good volume, not great volume, but on good volume. And it looks to me like that's a product as much of like rhythm as much as it is of like of shot making, right? Mm -hmm. Some of D'Lo's stuff is shot making, but some of this other stuff is just like, oh, this is swing, swing. I'm Mm -hmm. wide open and stepping in two or three. And that has nothing to do with like, oh, I'm a big time shot maker and not step back, sidestep the sort of shots that guys can take and make. And so what are you seeing from like the three point shooting uptick and like the rhythm that players are in? Because it feels like it's all coalescing in to the Lakers, like really reaching their ceiling yep. close to at least as an offensive team. It's so fun to watch. This is, you know, there's a, lo- a lot of things happening right now that are what my hopes and dreams were for the season. And I mean, for the last couple of years, I've been talking about the playing out of the post and how we have a natural advantage. If we do that, the, uh, the manipulation of fi- uh, the five out spacing, this is both on the player and the coaching level. I, I would love more in the second half of the season now that we've really kind of hit our stride to start diving more into specific sets and things like that. But we have a couple of different variations of the five out look now that we didn't have to the same degree earlier in the year. Like one of the things that we do is usually the top of the five out. So the player at the top of the key is usually your five, not always, but it's usually AD or, or Jackson. Um 
And one thing that we've been doing more and more to kind of counter the ball pressure that teams like to put on our guards where D'Lo and Austin, that's kind of the book on them, right? It's put a bigger athlete with long arms that can kind of get up into their jersey and, and bother them. And so by think about the shape of the five out, right? So it's the one guy up top, two guys on the wings, two guys uh, in the corners. If you lift both of the the wings up to the top, you've created a two guard front. So it's the two guards usually up near half court, then AD in the middle, and then the two guys in the corner. And now you're suspiciously close to a five out type of, or a four out type of spacing where it's like, okay, you're pressuring us on the ball. And now we're going to spread you out and take advantage of the driving lanes. Uh, we're running a lot of horn sets, right? Where these are little manipulations of five out type of spacing where you can still, your off ball guys can still set up in those spots and relocate to those spots, even if you're not starting out in those specific spots. And so you combine that with player talent where it's, this is what D'Lo does. This is what Dinwiddie does. This is what Austin does and has gotten way better at in terms of his understanding of how to attack out of this. And we're seeing way more high assist games out of this. And so I'm totally with you on the three-point shooting. D, the reason I hit all of these parts rather than the shooting is I firmly believe that it's the events leading up to the three-point shot, like you were saying, yeah. that is getting us these good looks. And that's part of the ability why there's there's a level of sustainability. Although the one thing I would say is that Ball pressure, ball denial, perimeter defense, things like that in January are often very different than the playoffs. And so they're going to have they're going to have to beat Tetris on a higher level uh, going forward. Sure. But they're they're kicking its butt on level four right now. And that's great. The defensive intensity around the league is like not where it always not where it's going to be at this time of the year. As Pre all-star break, this is always playoffs, how right? it is. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, offense trends up as the season goes on. And so all teams are experiencing this uptick in offensive performance, and it's up to defenses to get the stops that they need rather than be the 04 Pistons or whatever, the mm -hmm. Baltimore Ravens of 2001, and, and be like, oh, we're going to stop everyone all of the time. The Lakers sort of fit into the larger puzzle of the league right now as well, right, in terms of what they're doing. But even their ability to do that seemed so far-fetched, like two months ago, where it's amazing. they were seemingly rudderless in terms of what they were trying to do on offense, right? And so let's, let's take an early break here, Pete. And when we come back, I want to talk more about a couple of individual players that are really proving their value within the offense right now. So one of my goals right now is to eat better. But in the thick of the NBA season, that can be hard to do. So I recently joined Factor, and Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service to help me do that. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for your healthy lifestyle. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh and never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. And you can enjoy the extra convenience at any time of day with an assortment of 55-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Head to Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 and use code LakerFilm50, all one word, to get 50% off. That's code LakerFilm50 at Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 to get 50% off. So, Pete, you mentioned D'Lo's career high in assists, and you may have mentioned this, but Rui also had a career high in points. I think he had 
36. Mm -hmm. And on a night where LeBron didn't play, that offensive uptick was needed. But the way that Rui got his baskets, not only against the Jazz, but even when he's been playing next to LeBron in AD, I think are indicative of both his ability as an offensive player and how he's fitting into the system as well as slotting within the lineup next to LeBron and AD, and then Austin and D'Lo, who are both finding their groove as passers. And so talk to me about what you're seeing with Rui and how it's all sort of coming together for him, for another guy who looked lost early in the season. It's like, what are you doing out there, Rui? But he's really finding his game offensively now. One of my biggest concerns about this season is... I, the way that you play, and we've talked about this a lot, in four out versus five out is different, right? Four out is more of a stationary dribble penetration. Five out is more player movement and ball movement. And Rui is kind of a rigid player. Uh, he's not a super bendy uh, type of guy. And so side to side type of movements, this is something when offensive, when teams on offense try to attack Rui when he's on defense, a lot of times... For example, uh, when they played the Celtics not too long ago, there was a play where Tatum had him isolated and just kept doing crossover after crossover to get him to move side to side, which is how his strategy to beat him off the dribble, right? But the whole idea is get Rui moving east-west as opposed to north-south. There's more east-west type of movement in five out than there is out of four out. I've been really concerned about that with respect to Rui, who I think is very much a downhill type of player. I think that he's done a great job of finding opportunities to get downhill as a cutter, opportunities in the post and in isolation. There have been several times since we've made this lineup switch D where we're basically running most of our offense through Rui at stretches of the game, and he's kicking their butts. And a team like Utah is interesting because no, their on-ball guy is probably not going to be able to handle him, or they're switching and it's Chris Dunn, who's a very good defender. He's just not big enough to handle Rui. That is happening, but he's also finishing over Walker Kessler and finishing around three guys around the rim. You know, he does a great job of using his body, his pivots, his footwork on pull-up jumpers, things like that. And so one of my bigger concerns this year was that, like, I don't know if Rui's going to be able to fit into this style of offense. And for much of the year, I continued to believe that, starting to see more and more some encouraging signs on that front. So what are you seeing from Rui in terms of him fitting in? Well, you've talked a fair amount about teams not having enough guys when it's LeBron, AD, and Rui all in the game at the same time. And we saw that against the Pistons, for example, right? Where it's just like they put um, Asar Thompson on LeBron and Asar Thompson impressed me to a certain extent with his motor and athleticism. I was just like, oh man, like him and his brother, they can really play. And then obviously they had Duran on AD. And so the next guy up is... Simone Fontecchio, who has to guard Rui. And it's like, he can't guard Rui. Like, he definitely couldn't guard LeBron. And so, Mm -hmm. but you're next up. And they didn't have any guard to sound like you're going to put Cade Cunningham on him or uh, Jaden Ivey on Rui. And so it's just like, again, like, you're out of guys. And so that running of offense through Rui, the malleability of being able to sort of pinpoint ideas within a five out offense and say like, this is where we can manipulate the spacing and this is where we can position players in order to get them a play. Like 
the Lakers were doing that for Rui over and over again and just saying, like, you're going to go eat against this dude. And and so even the first play of the game um, against Utah was a, like, let's get Rui a basket. Yeah. Right. So it 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 was like ham or like a, a, a ram screen, screen action mm-hmm. for Rui to come up and then set a ball screen and then flow into a pick and roll and Rui got downhill and drew and uh, drew a shooting foul and went to the free throw line and so his ability to attack off of the dribble from the corners shoot above the break and corner threes and then be a post-up threat against smaller guys. These are all of the spots on the floor, which five out offense can operate from. And so he is a great, what Rui is really good at is turning a second side action into a strong side action by then being an isolation player. Right. And so the ball can come to him on swing, swing, and he can shoot the open three. But if the ball skips to him and the open three is not there and he can't just rip and close out, he can then dance with the ball a little bit and then turn it into like, okay, this is an isolation action and I'm just going to attack you in space. And he did that against the Jazz he did that against smaller players and like ripped through and got to the basket for like for finishes. But he also was able to do that against Walker Kessler. And in the thread, I was saying, man, Rui's cooking. And Mike responded like they just don't have a player who is big enough, who is both big enough to sort of like Stay with him physically, but also has enough foot speed to stop him from getting to his spots on the floor. And this is this is like a lower level idea to what AD was in the playoffs, like in the 1920 mm-hmm. season, where it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you're too quick for big slow guys and too strong for smaller guys that can that can stay with you with well with foot speed and having a version of that in Rui who can attack, it's just such a useful tool to have. And Pete, like his ability to finish inside off of cuts is to me what's adding a dimension to the Lakers in the starting lineup, especially. Prince is so much more of a spacer and a rip through and attack a closeout guy to try to finish at the basket or shoot a little mid-range pull-up. Rui, though, is able to cut from all of these spots on the floor and then finish with power inside or finish in traffic against bigger players. And that is a dimension that you need within the offense to keep the defense honest so that they can't just like say, well, we're just going to load up on the paint and stop your drives or make sure that we're showing all of this help. You need that cutting versatility. And it's what Vando was providing too, but Rui's just, better on offense than Vando. So to me, he's a key reason why I think the the offensive uptick is there as well. Yeah. The idea is space, of spacing is interesting because we normally talk about it through the lens of three-point shooting and sometimes a degree of vertical spacing, right? We'll talk. Jackson Hayes is not a three-point shooter, but the fact that you can throw the ball 12 feet in the air and he can catch it and dunk it forces the defense to account for it in a way that Rui does that too in that he's so versatile as a scorer. He can score in so many different types of ways that that's a degree of spacing as well. You don't have to worry about the same type of cuts with Prince, even though he's a better three-point shooter, right? And so that sort of 
viewing spacing through the lens of like he can score here or here or here or here and in these three or four different ways adds a different degree of spacing that in a way that we don't normally consider it. That said, though, the concern about Rui is has been more on the defensive end, right? Now, this is a game that we did not have LeBron in. He was playing the four. I think that our smaller groups are less harmful when Rui is in the game just because I have a level of expectation, D, that Rui's motor, like, he's always going to run the floor. He's always going to crash down on the rebounds. He's mid-20s. This is what he does well. I don't have those same expectations on year 21 LeBron James. Um, but what are you seeing from him on the defensive end? Because that is something that I think from a coach's perspective is really going to earn. That's the difference between the 18-minute games for him and I think the 30-minute games. Yeah, and I think it's still a work in progress. But he's, to me, been like mostly a plus defender. The issues where I've seen him have more challenges isn't actually like holding up in isolation. It's more been against like quicker perimeter players because those guys are going to get everyone. Rui's attentiveness when he has Mm. to be a perimeter defender, like his perimeter attentiveness when he's a weak side player can uh, wax and wane to a certain extent, and his ability to track guys as they relocate or track guys who then move into a spot to then set a screen or come off of a screen, he that's where he's like, oh, where's my guy right now? Where I like, but in isolation, I feel like he's been holding up relatively well against smaller guys. He's using his size and he is backing off and then using his length to try to contest and keep guys in front of him. And on the back line, he's been better at challenging shots and just being around the basket and being big around the basket. Is he peak level LeBron back there where it's just like like Miami Heat level LeBron or even the LeBron that we saw in his first couple seasons with the Lakers? No, it's just like he's not and he's never going to be that guy. But the same versatility that you mentioned that he has offensively, he's similarly uh, versatile defensively, it's just like at a bit of a lower level. And, and and so you look at a guy like Prince. Prince is trusted to go out and defend Jordan Clarkson and Laurie Markkinen in the, within the same shift, right? And so Prince is in the game, Markkinen's out, Clarkson's in, you've got Clarkson, right? Next sub, Clarkson goes out, Markkinen comes in, you've got Markkinen. And that's a totally Rudy, different matchup, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, and Prince will hang as best as he can, but both of those guys have advantages over Prince, but Prince is trusted to guard those guys. I don't think Rui would be like blown out of the water if you told him, hey, on this possession, you've got Jordan Clarkson and you've got to hold up in isolation against him. And on this next possession, you've got Laurie Markkinen and you have to defend him. Like, Rui's got physical tools too. He's like, he can do some things against all of these types of players. Is he going to give up as many baskets? Like, probably as many as Prince. It'll probably just come in in a, in a bit of a different way. And so I've been mostly pleased with what he's been doing defensively, even if he has some of those space cadet moments like on the weak side where he has to track up like a perimeter guy. And Rui's a big dude. And that East-West stuff is really going to show up when if he has to guard like an off ball shooter that is like coming off a double stagger and like all of that stuff, like, which is one of the reasons why he struggled against the Warriors 
last season in the playoffs. It's because they started to take advantage of him when he had where it's just like, hey, Rui, you're on clay. It's just like, am I? Yep. <laughs> not for long, right? Like <laughs> not once not once Clay starts running, you're not on him. Uh that's also part of the reason why you the regular season has value in working on switching, right? Like the idea of Rui at the three, which he was not last night, but Rui in these lineups, there are elements of his game that you have to work around. But I think that they're much more workable because of what he provides on the offensive end. And so let's take another break here when we come back. Love to get your thoughts on Spencer Dinwiddie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So, D, it's interesting watching Dinwiddie coming here to fit in. He hasn't been on the ball to start possessions a whole lot, which was, I can't emphasize enough, really an essential part of his job in Brooklyn and in a lot of the places that he's played. Uh, but he's moving the ball well. There have been some, there were some defensive possessions in the Utah game where I was like, oh, I'm just enjoying the degree of we don't have another guard that does that type of thing. Uh, and so, hit a, a bomb from about 30 feet, hit a corner three off of a drive and kick, hit a nice little one-handed floater off the glass off of his right leg, uh, and then hit a sweet little reverse layup in that game. So uh, talk to me about what you've seen from Spencer Dinwiddie, D. He, I'm real excited to have him on board. Just another competent ball handling guard who like really understands what he's doing. 
What I've been pleased with too, Pete, is his understanding of how he's supposed to play within this offense. And so he is like spacing to the right places. He is trying to set the right screens. Um, In the Detroit game, I saw him having a dialogue with LeBron after a possession because Dinwiddie came to set a step-up screen very early in a possession. And then like he came up to set it and then he got out of it really quickly and LeBron sort of like waved waved him off it looked like to me and after the possession it seemed to me like Dinwiddie was expressing a certain amount of like did I do the right thing did you want me to do that there and LeBron was just like totally you were good I saw something else that's why I waved you out like it seemed like they were just having a normal basketball conversation about about like the play that just happened that sort of like quick that IQ that understanding those are all things that were commented on in the lead up to his to like to him playing and his media availability and what um Darwin and AD and everyone were saying about him and so to see that in practice um applied in games right like okay this is how it's how it's working i've been pleased with that the other part that i've been happy with is just his his passing man like he's got 11 assists in two games Against Detroit, he had a really good like pass to Wood on a pick and roll where Wood dove hard and he threw it to the right spot to the outside shoulder away from the defense on a bit of a delay waiting for the defense to commit um, against the Jazz. He had a nice little lob to AD where he got downhill and then he sort of froze the defense for a second and was in that in-between zone where it's like, am I going to shoot or am I going to pass? The big man froze and then he threw a nice little lob to AD. He's got good size, so he makes the skip pass. He can see the whole court. Um, he's a jump pass player. And so Austin and D'Lo are not really jump pass players, but Dinwiddie is. And so you see him get access to parts of the floor by jumping and passing that even that at his size, it allows him to see even more, more of the court. And so it's his passing to me that has stood out the most so far, even though against Utah, he had a good game, I think four for six from, from the field and, and 10 points, mostly as an off ball worker. And so having another guy, Pete, that is both an on ball and off ball worker who is comfortable in both of those. That's just a boon, I think, to the Lakers offense in general, particularly one who is very comfortable initiating offense if he has to. Yeah, that stands out to me on both ends of the floor is that he has a general capability in a bunch of different aspects of the game that I think is just super valuable, especially for uh, your first guard off of the bench. Somebody who isn't bad at anything that you would ask a guard to be competent at right now. I'm not saying he's even above average or good at, at uh, several of those things, but just a guy who can keep things running, uh, the ability to score in a bunch of different types of ways that over the pat, the top type of read Dilo can make this pass in part because of his length and his court vision, but Dinwiddie can put a foot in the ground and literally jump higher than the guy that's in front of him and, and throw, he's made some dart skip passes. And so just that sort of versatility. I'm I'm so excited to see what he looks like 10 games from now because he still very much looks like he's, you know, getting his feet wet, trying to figure out how to fit in. But considering it is that early, it just it's such a natural fit. So Pete, when the Lakers first got Dinwiddie, I was um when you say he's still getting his feet wet and learning things, I think he's also too like 
that notion of trying to fit in, I think has been even more prevalent defensively. He's been trying oh, yeah. hard, I think, defensively. What have you seen from him on a few defensive possessions? Because I saw him compete hard against Jordan Clarkson, for for example, where in the first half, when Clarkson didn't have it going as much, that first stretch, that first shift that Clarkson had, it was Dinwiddie who was on him. And what have you seen from him in terms of his size and his sort of competitiveness defensively? Has anything stood out to you there? Yeah. And this is again, in relation to our other guards more than anything. But when you think about defense, it's you can think about it easily as being kind of on a back foot reactive type of position where you're waiting for the offense to do something, then you react to that, and then the, the play goes on. But the best defenses or my favorite types of defenses are the types that where you can really engage and dictate the terms to an offensive player. And this is something that he can do from time to time. Clarkson was an example of that. Clarkson was just cooking Torian Prince and getting a layup every time he could. Again, I think Prince is just too tall to guard those quicker guys uh, that can put the ball on the ground. He's played forward for most of his career. And so it's just a big ask. Whereas Dinwiddie, there was a jump switch. And this is something where the way that we switch to be very specific about this, he can switch more aggressively out onto the perimeter and still stay in front. Whereas when guys like Austin and Delo do it, if their momentum's going forward on that jump switch, that's just an invitation to get by them. Dinwiddie's got just more tools and I think better technique too, got a wider base to uh, be able to engage on those types of switches. And so again, I don't want to oversell that he's some, you know, world beating type of defender, but in context with D'Lo and Austin, he just does a couple things that they don't do. And amongst your role players, I think having versatility, different tools for different jobs. I, he very much is checking a lot of boxes for me with our guard core. So again, very excited about him. Yeah, there's been a competency there that I've appreciated. It's been two games. And so I'm, I'll be exactly. very interested to see if the same level of effort is there in 10 games, when you say I'm very interested to see where he's at offensively in 10 games as he continues to grow and learn and get comfortable on that end. Um, it's like the old analogy that I've always used about like my wife's kindergarten class, right? Like after 10, 10 or 15 games, will the same effort to yeah. be the good student, right? Defensively be there for him too. And I'm not exactly sure, but I've been Pleasantly surprised and pleased with with where he's been defensively. All right, we're going to wrap up uh, here tomorrow. We should have the the whole crew and um, going to give our final thoughts heading into All-Star break, but we made it. What a crazy season. Lakers uh, entered the All-Star break on one of them cliffhangers, right, where you're watching your favorite TV show and something happens at the end and you're super excited about it, but they're not going to be back for until next season. So at least it's only nine days in our uh, in our situation, but we will be back tomorrow to kind of have a more big picture discussion of the team. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me?
Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Bryant. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.